Hey everyone, welcome to the 4D Experience, Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. I'm Dan. And I am Drew. A little bit different style show that we have today, because uh, honestly there's not a whole lot going on in the world of Chicago-specific sports. <laughs> I was going to say, it's literally um, the week where nothing happens. Yeah. At least on the field. Uh, I mean, there are some big one-note big events going on, which that's pretty much going to be the, the show, but... Um, <laughs> We, uh, I, yeah, I put on here uh, for the first MLB note. Um, Cubs are awful. Cubs stink. Yeah, boy, boy, and then that ever happened fast. I think I think our last recording was they were they were treading water, and you know maybe not having maybe it was kind of a blip, and we thought that it might still be okay. No, 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 they, no, no, no. They fell off that cliff it, hard. It, it, yet this is this is like. Talk about not only like regression to the mean, but like falling off a cliff. And I mean, they know hit the Dodgers and you're like, wow, the Cubs can really like, and that was in LA. We're, we're doing great. It was a combined no hitter. And then they proceed to go two and 13 after and then, this. Like Conor McGregor's leg, it gave out. Oh man, did it. Um, I think they lost like eight or nine straight after that. And, 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 like, not even close. Like, I think Eric Sogard had more innings pitched than Craig Kimbrell did in that stretch. And it, what didn't Let help sick kid. was compounding this was the Brewers were playing well, so well that they actually swept the Cubs during their little losing streak. I mean, one of those games, the Brewer, the Cubs got out to a, oh, I think we may have even talked about it, the 7, the seven running, yeah lead and the historic you lose that game like 15 to 8 or something like Man, that. Man, when you do something in baseball that's only happened once before in a 200-year history it, sport. It, 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 there's a lot of history in baseball. you got to really do something to do something never before seen. And the Cubs managed to do that. It's, yeah, it's something else. Um, so I'm thinking they're going to be sellers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, it's 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 literally now the matter of time. The only thing that can save them is if they come out of this all-star break red hot. And even if they do, I, I still think... Yeah, it's tough. The, the, they're eight back the right plan, now. Right, and that, that it's such a... They're not going to get a wild card. Wild card's done. You no, have to it, win the division it is such It is such a huge mountain because they literally fell down the valley. Um, you have, have to climb back up to get into it. It's going to be the NL West are going to get three teams in. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, your only path to the playoffs legitimately is your division. Um, St. Louis is probably still gettable. Milwaukee doesn't look like it. You're tied with St. Louis right now at eight yeah. games back. Yeah. And Milwaukee, look, Milwaukee as a team does not scare you on paper, uh, but they do, they did what the Cubs were doing right before this losing streak was they, they just keep winning enough to keep their lead growing. Um, oh. no, I think, I think it is, you're going to see, and, and it sucks to have, you know, what is generally regarded as a decent group of players, um, you know, have to get broken up, but I think that's probably what you're going to see happen. You're probably going to see, I mean, I can't imagine, I would think that if they're going to keep people, they'll probably keep bias. Um, they'd probably keep. They may do like a, a trade of Rizzo and then try to sign him back, but it, but we don't know if that bridge is burnt because of all the offseason stuff. I th um, I I agree. Baez and Rizzo are probably the two most likely to come back. I think Bryant and Kimbrel are out the door. K 
Kimbrel is an obvious. I mean, you can actually get. Oh, he's their number one him. trade. Yes. right now. I mean, you can get a you ransom can for him. Get, get some stuff for that dude. Which is my thing. I don't think you'd honestly get what you'd think is worth it for Bias because I don't think the not demand right is now. high. No, not not for position players, but I mean reliever, closer, having a career year, back to form. No, Kimbrel is a lockdown that's, October guy. Yes, that's going to make another team better. It take a contender into maybe over the top. You can ask for whatever you want and probably get it. Yeah. Um, Kyle Hendricks should be an all-star. He's got 11 wins right now, which is up near the top of the MLB. And I know he's not a flashy no, dude. No, no, no. But I mean, his stuff is... it. He somehow wins games. He's, he's a thinking man's pitcher. I actually love to watch that type of stuff. I actually really enjoy watching him work because... Um, just to make the ball dance the way that he does is just fun. I don't know if anybody's going to take a flyer on him. Uh, you're probably not going to get a ton back because he's not that like big star flashy guy. But um, somebody might take a flyer on hey, him to slot in the third let's spot. Let's just remember the, the in the games that the Cubs had to have at the World Series year, the dude that he was started on the mound, game seven. Yeah, he started game six of the championship clinching series yes. against LA, and then he started game seven. Yes. and he should have been able to. Go longer in that game. But yes, another debate for another time. Uh, yeah, we'll get that episode out to you eventually, uh, <laughs> where we discuss that in detail. Uh, but he's another one. Jock Peterson is having a good season for Jock Peterson. He's, bet, on, he's on a one-year contract. Dude, bet on himself. Should cash in at the end. That's of this a, year. maybe an easy flyer for some yeah. team to pick up. Yeah. Um, Ian Happ might be an attractive position player considering he plays uh, everything utility i mean can service all types of different positions and, and service them very you know fairly well um it almost feels like if he could like get out of his own head a little bit at the plate he'd probably do a lot better but uh you yeah. know he's got potential there so so you may be able to to, to wing some deals there for him yeah and those but, guys but aren't going to be but you got to you got to you got to restock your farm system and you have to kind of decide when you break this up and try to rebuild it. Are you going for like a one year? Yeah, we're going to we're probably not going to be all that good for next season, but then we want to come back. Or are you doing the two, three year thing that is a much harder sell, especially given all the investment that the owners have put into the um, metropolis around the ballpark? Well, Baez, Rizzo, and Brian are all free agents at the end of the year. So you're either going to have to pay them, let them walk for nothing. Um, man, I don't know. I, I I feel like Baez and Rizzo are going to be back. Bryant and Kimbrell are going to be gone. Hendricks is going to be a toss-up. And then probably a couple other random pieces that aren't going to bring back a whole lot. But if you trade Bryant and Kimbrell, you need to get back aces. I mean, you, you need to get to back pieces that are not necessarily MLB ready, but really number one close. prospects, big time draft picks, financial comp, whatever it needs to be. You need to get all of it. And maybe you do need to get all of it. MLB ready players like our fringe player that you could just plug and play, especially if you give up Bryant, you're going you're gonna to need somebody to <laughs> literally step in his shoes. That's true. Um, but, oh, man, you're going to. You're going to need to get something big back, um, which they might get, and they should get for Kimbrel. Uh, some of those pieces might come from the White Sox because they can certainly use a utility guy like Bryant at the very least. And they could use another bullpen guy like Kimbrel, which might make Hendricks a little upset. But 
now they need a catcher. <laughs> I mean, they got they they literally they have people to play the position, but they need a guy that can catch the ball. I mean, Grandal they still like his on base percentage um, quite a bit, but but it, it, it's it's it always kind of makes. I don't know how this White Sox season will ultimately be judged, but they lose another marquee player to a long-term injury, and then they go on a winning streak. I've never seen this happen before, where guys guys go down and they win four in a row. Yeah, we talked about the Cubs being down eight games in the NL Central. The White Sox are up eight games in the AL Central, and there ain't nobody in that division that can catch them. I, I'm not a believer no, in the Indians at all. Not not at this point. And the other teams are just straight oh, no, up trash. I mean, they, they just, they just <laughs> so, keep running. It's, it's like Keystone Cops. They literally keep running into each other. They will get tested here because they get the Astros out of the break. So, And we know what the Astros did to them. They just yes. I mean, murdered it, it them would in the be, last It series. would be nice like for the White Sox in general to shore up their record against like teams with winning records. Yep, or teams not in their division. You can't beat up the AL Central and then expect to win in the postseason. You know, but thank God the Orioles come up on their schedule when they did. You know, and that's but they did what they were now. Other than the game, maybe Sunday, they did what they had to do and and kind of controlled those games and they weren't super stressful. Um, You know, with with Hendricks giving up the the game tying run in the ninth inning on Sunday, I would call that a kind more of a a statistical anomaly because that dude has has found his touch again um and, and is looking really really good so yeah i mean if you wanted to have kimbrell slash hendrix in your back end of your bullpen yeah i'd love to can see you it. imagine kopech hendrix kimbrell oh boom 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 i mean six that's a six inning you game. can close the door on a game yeah you know in a game where you would have maybe rodon start go five or six have kopech in for the seventh hendrix in for the eighth kimbrell or or in any order in any order. In any yeah. order there, depending on it. Um, that's, and, and, that's a hell of a... And I don't want to sell a crochet shirt, too, because he's played very, very oh, no. well for and, the most part. He's come back. But after um, Kopech and Crochet I, and Hendricks, a struggle, I get yeah. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Bummer is very inconsistent. Um, Can be great, sometimes not. Yeah, great. I mean, I mean, heck, they even got Matt Foster to pitch decently at the end of that Baltimore game. So <laughs> That was Baltimore, though. Uh, no, true. True. Like I said, I want to see them against some better competition. Yeah. I want to see them get healthy. Oh, by the way, Eloy Jimenez is taking minor league uh, strokes and looks fairly good from the couple things I've seen. That might be the biggest midseason acquisition because I did not have him coming back anywhere near July. Right. Um, and, and maybe that injury wasn't as bad as they all thought it was when they went in there. I am betting that is exactly the case. Because um, because you're right. Because I mean, I was thinking September you know, even, maybe. Even if he came back, yeah, yeah. I figured it was going to be, yeah. you know, uh, at least oh, like a four or five week rehab process to get his stroke down. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have just he says it doesn't bother his swing. Bounce back into form, and let's hope it continues. Obviously, we've only have a very small sample size. I think we have two games. Yeah. So let's not, you know. <laughs> but that's a big one. You figure Robert's going to come back relatively soon and those are two big acquisitions that would help I mean, the and outfield that, and his injury if it heals and heals correctly and they gave it enough time should not be anything that hinders him um as, as icky of an injury as that 
is that looked when it happened yeah. because it did look pretty bad. You can tell they're prepping for some outfield reinforcements to come from in-house because they just released Eaton. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I also think that's kind of a locker room thing, and I don't think anybody was Agreed. sad in that locker room to see him go. You hear <laughs> that, people? The locker room issue was not Larusa; it was Eaton. <laughs> Might have been. Might have been. Um, so, all right. here, here I, I, I've teased my partner here long enough. Okay. I, I, I told him oh. that I was going oh. to do something that was going to shock but pleasantly surprise him. I am actually on the edge of my seat right now. All right. So here it comes. Mr. Tony LaRusso right now is the clubhouse leader for AL Manager of the Year. Ooh. I mean, that should be fairly obvious, but woo! All right. He's coming around, folks. He's coming around. Yeah, I mean, you can't not give some credit where credit's due. And here's here's the part that, that shocked me and surprised me. I said this a month and a half ago, by the way, but okay, yeah, continue. Now, now I, I will stand by everything I said a month and a half ago when I didn't like the way he was handling things at that particular time. Since then, the team has kind of gone through a bit of a rocky patch with patchwork lineups and all of that other stuff. But here's the thing that got me, okay? Uh, it was a game against the Twins. He brings in Liam Hendricks. It's four to one game. He brings in Liam Hendricks in the eighth inning for a six out save. Why did he do that? Because he had the two, three, and four hitters coming up in the eighth inning. I don't know if that's Larusa. I don't know if that's um, the pitching coach Matt Katz or whatever his name is. Speaking in his ear, but I saw growth. That's Mr. Traditional ninth inning guy doing something a little more modern baseball, six out save. I saw actually Ozzy Guillen disagreed with it, but I said, you know what? That's the right move at the right time. Win the damn game right now. And he did. And he didn't overuse Hendricks. Hendricks went in and got boom, 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 three outs in the ninth inning on the five, six, seven hitters. No big pitch count issues. No problem. I will give props. I am so proud of you. Now there might be a tear in my eye. <laughs> I will never here here now that all having been said, I will probably never like the circumstances by which that man was hired. I will never like the circumstances around the DUI, all that other stuff that happened. The guy's still I I will not take back anything I said about him about the Yermin Mercedes thing. I thought he handled that extremely poorly. But Given the pure baseball, given the growth, given all of the stuff that that dude has had to go through, I don't see how he's not AL Manager of the Year. So, Drew, I understand and I agree with the fact of his hiring, and maybe he wasn't the that wasn't the greatest process of his hiring. No, the process was terrible. I fine, I'll give you that, and I agree. And I'll still be pissed at the owner about it. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but why was he brought in? He was brought in to win games and win a World Series. And we are at the All-Star break, eight games up in our division, cruising to an AL Central title. Widely considered a real threat to get a World Series. Yes. In spite of a MASH unit. In, yes. 100%. You have an entire freaking Major League roster on your disabled, well, on your injured list. He inherited right a MASH unit. Right. And has had to deal with a bunch has of it. Has gotten through it. So uh, this actually ties into one thing that I wanted to bring up about the White Sox. So 
Are we pleasantly surprised? I am. Again, tear is in my eye. I'm trying. I'm fighting. I'm fighting it back. But it's uh, now that could change. Wonderful. In my opinion, could get a 180 <laughs> on that if he does something weird. But it's been since the Mercedes thing. We really haven't had any major managerial issues. So there was uh, in so, our earlier episode in the things get spicy episode <laughs> where we go off. Uh, me in particular. Um, and I, a, a lot of my anger was geared not towards Drew. We're obviously still doing this. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> uh, but a lot of it was really geared towards media and some just dumb fans out there that are just spewing a lot of stuff and not really understanding the game of baseball. And they're doing it for clicks. They're doing it for likes. They're doing yeah, it for whatever. It's, it's, it's stupid. And that's that. what I took a lot of issue with. Um, that media put out an article just before the All-Star break from the Chicago Sun-Times and Daryl Van Schauen, okay, wrote this article. You want to know, know what the title of the article is? Inspired manager Tony La Russa guides White Sox to 54 and 35 record going into... You, you <laughs> just turned your tail completely from where you were a month and a half ago. I see what you're doing there, Chicago Sun-Times. Okay, all right. The first quote, the first line in this article is from Adam Engel. His personality suits us incredibly well, says Adam Engel. Let me scroll down to the major quote that I want to get to, though. Um, oh, let's see, where is it? Oh, here it is. Tony is very much about winning, Engel said. The way he talks, manages, everything he does just has a feel of, I want to win tonight, and I want to win at all costs. That is why this clubhouse is not oh, no. going to I, pieces. I actually think for October, he's not a bad choice to have in the dugout in terms of tactics and, and, and that type of stuff in those high high leverage environments. it's It was the getting through the mundane of a long season. I actually thought like he might not be a bad manager for like that 55 game thing that we did last year. So, uh, but again, I, I will, like I said, I will never come around to the circumstances. There are still, there are still things that I don't like about the guy and, and that's fine. I'm looking at the fact that old crudgity managed to show what I thought was some growth in a situation where he was going to get criticized for it and went with it anyway, and didn't do the traditional ninth inning, one, two, three, you know, with the closer only in the ninth inning. He didn't bring in, he didn't bring in an Aaron Bummer. He didn't bring, you know, I think Kopech had already pitched in that game. So he didn't have an obvious bridge between the seventh and the ninth inning. Right. And so he put his high leverage guy in a high leverage situation. If he can show that he's willing to do that, that's how you win in the playoffs because you're going to have to do things that aren't normal. A lot of the talk when he got hired after that questionable Reinsdorf interview process, whatever you want to call it, um, a lot of the the biggest complaint that a lot of people had is how is Tony Larusa going to relate to the players of today, right? And you had that big meeting between him and Tim Anderson right in spring training, and Tim Anderson came out of it saying, "We're good. Why are we good? Because he wants to win." I want to win. We're on the same page there. If nothing else, we're about winning. Yeah. I mean, there's still there. Obviously there is still cultural differences, whether or not the clubhouse has just kind of accepted it and said, well, fine, old dude, we'll just, 
move on. A lot of them literally view him as like their father figure of like, don't do this. Okay, dad, whatever. <laughs> I roll. All right. Right. Fine. Right. Exactly. Um, which is, which, which is which, fine. I mean, however, it worked. like, look, baseball clubhouses <clears throat> are their, their own thing. But I, it, um, the animosity that people thought would be there is definitely not there. It's not like he hates the players. It's, it's not it's, like the players hate him. However, it, it looked like it could have gotten to that point. Um, for whatever reason, and if they had some sort of a good meeting, the players and him, and they worked it out after the Mercedes incident, whatever happened, something happened. Something happened and a switch got flipped between, because all of a sudden we, we didn't have players trying to contradict the manager in real time on Twitter anymore. You didn't have any of that other stuff going on. For, somebody got on the right page, whether it was Lewis or whether it was the players or a combination of the two, something happened after that incident and that animosity fell off. And maybe it's, maybe it's, they all just decided to hate him and win in spite of him. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I, I, but again, I'm coming back to, I think right now he's the AL manager of the year. I'm, I'm glad you finally got there after a month and a half of winning. Um, but, and not to pile on Mercedes real quick, but Tony La Russa has won in the 80s, he's won in the 90s, he's won in the 2000s, and he's won in the 2010s, and he's winning now in the 2020s. Uh, your mean Mercedes was like a 28-year-old rookie having a great month. Tony La Russa continues to win, win World Series. Mercedes got sent down to the minors for like a hiccup, yes, but his great month has come back to as has happened with a ton of players over so if you ever thought that the organization or baseball as a whole is going to be like well mercedes mercedes is great tony Roos is a bum that's not how baseball works in the long like you have to prove you are if if it was a bray you i bet you it's a whole different situation it is a, it is it is you cannot make whether you're in the media whether you're in the game it is short-sighted of you to make big conclusions based on small sample size. Mercedes has to stay. Larusa go. No, that's a mistake. Here's why. He's going to regress. Larusa is going to be probably what he has been over the last forty-five years of success. So, so you know, it, like I said, for now, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I reserve the right to flip. On a dime, if he does anything else that ticks me off, I'm staying with my but original analysis of yes, it's going to be. I'm, the I'm willing to have a working television and see what is going on. Fair enough, but I thought the quotes uh, from Ingle were important and kind of illustrate what what the bottom line is. They're about winning, and this is how we finish the things get spicy episode. It's like Tim Anderson wants to win, right? Yeah. Well, do you believe Tony Lusa wants to win? Yeah, then what are we talking about? They, <laughs> they want to win baseball games, and they are, so everything's fine. Everything's good. Keep it rolling. As a Sox fan, I hope it does. Hey, amen. <laughs> amen. Um, we are going to take a break right now. Dan has to recover. I I'm, have to. I yes. stunned him. Um, you know, uh, I got to dab my tears a little bit of happiness <laughs> away um but we'll take a break we'll come back with some nba nhl maybe we'll squeeze in some soccer oh yeah there, there was some soccer going on this weekend there was there was some definite soccer going on this weekend so uh we will come back right after this 
All right, so we are back. Uh, before we get to the NBA, I just wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit. And there is an actual baseball there game. There is a baseball game going on, and it is the All-Star game. It's not much of one, but it, it, I guess it's baseball. It's okay. Um, the Home Run Derby was, the, at least the first round, was really, really entertaining before Pete Alonso just destroyed the whole thing. Um, well, but, I, I will give Trey Mancini. He, he was game. Oh. He actually gave him a fight. You know, and that and from dude from that dude coming back from cancer to, to that's that, a wonderful story. It's a good story. And um, you know, Mancini in that final round, very quick swing right to the ball, and he was just poking him right out. And you're like, wow, this dude's putting it on. But Alonso, Alonso just has kind of figured out the rhythm of how to do that. The effortlessness of his home runs were a little disgusting, to be frank. Yeah. Like it was smooth, easy. Now they also didn't use the humidor and they, they, they basically made, you know, the bowls um, as rock hard as they could to ensure flying out the, out the door. Um, but boy, that first round, um, there's a dude out in Anaheim doing some sick stuff. And it's um, not named Mike Trout. It's not named Mike Trout. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch Shohei Otani, um, dude was in the home run derby last night. Hit 22 home runs in his first round. Um, what is it? Juan Soto finally took him out in like double overtime of that round. Yep. And uh, he hit three home runs on three pitches. Yeah, three home runs on three pitches, which is really hard. It's putting a lot of pressure on Otani yeah. at that point. Yeah. And uh, but uh, then turns around and throws 102 miles an hour on his first pitch in tonight's All Star game. So doing Babe Ruth things and doing it freaking better than Babe Ruth did it. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I did want to talk a little bit about that as well. I mean, he does have 33 home runs in the first half of the season, and he and he's pitching. And his ERA is not like minuscule; it's like 3.44, some somewhere around that range. Uh, but crazy sick stuff. Um, yeah. Now the Babe Ruth thing, obviously hard to compare eras. Oh, of course, different, so, different balls that qualifier, different 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 stadiums, different, different substances, all different things. everything. Um, but while this one year can be considered Ruthian, let's consider that Ruthian is even a thing because Babe Ruth was something special. Yes. And I think Scott Van Pelt yesterday on SportsCenter said, I'm not trying to compare players, but Babe Ruth in his era hit 6% of all home runs that were hit in that era, in that year. If Otani were to do that today, he would have to have 200 it, so what Ruth did in his day was astounding. Yeah, um, I mean that was that was a cyborg walking amongst men, and he was hitting home runs in like five hundred foot ballparks. I mean the Polo Grounds was massive, and, <laughs> like, and drunk as hell doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that I think was probably the best part. And most pitchers weren't throwing 90, 95, 100. It was his own bear like strength getting this ball right. five hundred feet. Um, and he did it for years. Yeah. And he now he didn't pitch as long as Otani did. He only pitched and hit together like maybe five, six years. But his ERA was like two. <laughs> <laughs> like he had a very low ERA. His ERA in the World Series is minuscule. He won World Series games as a pitcher. Uh, where the Babe Ruth comparison start and end? This particular year for Otani is wonderful. Yeah. Is he the next Babe Ruth? Let's hold no, off no, on there, that. There's, there's for a, a little whole bit. lot of. <laughs> things that have to happen before he's really there. But it's it's fun to even put those two in the same damn sentence. Oh, it's it's great. It's great for – I wish he was on 
primetime yes. television more. And I hope the Angels find some. The problem is the between Otani and when Trout is actually on the field, the rest of that lineup is so god-awful. Oh, and they don't have any pitching, which might be why they drafted 20 pitchers in 20 rounds. They drafted all pitchers because they don't have any, except for Otani. Um, so That's only once every six days. Huh. Um, but, I mean, talk about, like, the dude's pro. If he doesn't win the MVP, what is wrong? I think he's him? already won it at this yes, point. I, I mean, was going to say, like, you could. What yeah. is anybody else going to do at this point? Mike Trout could have if he didn't get hurt because he was also putting up monster numbers early this year. I mean, Anaheim has got like the three best war players in existence. You know, and it's, but they're awful. The funny part was they trade away Albert Pujols and Albert Pujols starts raking in um, LA all of a sudden. He's hitting the ball very, very well over uh, for the Dodgers. Um, obviously, Walsh, they have an all star game tonight, um, which is the reason why they traded away Pujols. But take a second to go watch the Angels because Otani and when Trout does eventually get back, Trout uh, is. Still Art. pretty damn good. Trout is in that Babe Ruth conversation as maybe the best ever by the time it's done with it because yep. his war is up there. His stats are going to be up there in that ballpark. Yep. Yep. Um, and obviously he's got MVPs and all-star. Like, he's amazing. But Otani, this one year, yes, he is putting up Ruthian-like yeah, numbers. It, it's a thing. It's a thing. Go watch it. Um, also in this all-star game, really quick before we move on, Adam Frazier is uh, – starting second baseman, and he's for the Pirates, uh, you might see him in a White Sox uniform if all things go the way I want to. He will be a White Sox by uh, the end of July. He's hitting 330. He's got like 115 hits in the first half of the season. I mean, not not too bad to see. No, just plug him, number one, number two in the lineup around Tim Anderson. Which one you want to hit first? I don't care. (laughs) Get them on base ahead of Abreu and whoever else follows. Abreu, Eloy, Louis Robert. Oh, that would be a lineup. Oh, doesn't that sound so good? And oh, by the way, we haven't even mentioned uh, Andrew Vaughn or uh, Yasmani Grandal when he comes back. And Adam Fraser just doesn't play second base either. He does play some outfield for the Pirates too. So he hits literally every checkbox a White Sox fan might want. Please, Han, do whatever you got to do. Get this guy to the south side, okay? Uh, they, they were mentioning Trevor Story a lot, too. Trevor Story is your typical, uh, you know, 260, 270 average guy, but he'll hit up long 500-foot bomb every once in a while. Great, but I I want Frazier. I, I, I want the contact guy at the head of the lineup. Yeah, you need you do need probably the biggest gaping hole, and that's one of the nice things about especially with um, with the White Sox being Madrigal in the position that they're right exactly with with Mandrigal being gone, and but the Sox having a cushion, you can actually see what you really need. You know, you don't have to trade. You're not you're not trading from a position of oh my god, we're you know we're hanging on, we're trying to get right. back in this. No, you can actually really look at your roster top to bottom and go. It'd be nice to plug in here. We need to plug in there. We know that's going to. We can get back. a fourth or a fifth starter. If we can get like a you know yeah. another bullpen guy. Yeah. If we can get this Adam Frazier. To, I'm sure the Pirates are going to ask for a lot because the Pirates need a lot. Well, you saw a lot <laughs> of what the White Sox would have to offer playing uh, recently. <laughs> Jake Berger, um, maybe Andrew Vaughn, maybe Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the 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 Goodwin kid that they drafted, mm-hmm. you know, who's got some speed. Hell, you could trade Billy Hamilton as much as his value's up his right value now. Value is up right now. Um, by the way, did you happen to see the catch that dude made in Minnesota? Yes. 
Uh, we yeah. t- I tweeted it right away. I think, it was one of those, I watched it and I was literally cracking up. I'm like, there's no way he catches that. See, I don't think, I think LaRusso would put his foot down on a Billy Hamilton trade because he's that player that he loves. No, I know. Late inning substitution for defense, for running, <laughs> to steal a base. The, the scene uh, I have of him coming back to the dugout, if you've ever seen the movie Major League, when, when Willie Hayes... Willie Mays Hayes makes the catch in the outfield, and the owner and the manager comes up and goes, "Nice catch! Don't ever do it again." As we are speaking, hey, look at that! Liam Hendricks got, got the, the save got the in the All Star game. How about that? Liam Hendricks representing. Um, let's see. Uh, just try to get some of this box score. Lance Lynn also pitched one very clean inning with a strikeout. Timberland had a clean inning for the Cubs. Yep, uh, which is totally expected. Uh, it didn't strike anybody out, though. But That's... it doesn't appear, just of looking at, at, at what I'm seeing here, that there are any significant all-star injuries. So everybody can go back to their teams, and everybody's okay. Bryant went 0 for 2 tonight uh, with one strikeout. But, no, uh, for the Chicago representatives, looked pretty good. Uh, Tim Anderson didn't look like he got in the game tonight. Shohei Otani gets the win. Does he really? That. Yes, he did. How is that? Because even... he was pitching in the first inning. Oh, and they it's scored an in the top of the game. They scored in the top of the second. It's an all-star game. They don't have the minimum yeah, five. I guess here. that's stupid. <laughs> and I mean, he did have a chance for something real special of winning home run derby, winning pitcher, and hitting a game-winning home run, which would have been again insane. a statistical anomaly. <laughs> Didn't happen, but uh, one out of three, I guess, is is awesome. Still pretty good. It's still pretty good. All right, we're moving off of baseball, I promise. Uh, going to the NBA, because there's a little something going there on. There is actual other action going on on your television, and that's the NBA Finals. Um, Bucks and the Suns. The Suns hold serve on their home court with two, I think, fairly impressive That's a victories. tough place to try to win again. Um, Milwaukee then comes back Sunday night and does the same thing. So we have a 2-1 series going into Game 4 Wednesday night. Um so, looks like if it it looks like Giannis is getting healthier by the minute. Yes, uh, after his little injury scare there um, in the last round, um, and and the Suns look their strategy right now just seems to be let Giannis score, and let's stop keep, the supporting cast. Let's keep Middleton under twenty. Yep. If if Giannis scores fifty, but Middleton is twenty or under, we win. Yep. Um, and it's to the point now, you want to t- talk about analytics and breaking stuff down. It's to the point now where they will foul Giannis, put him at the line, let him hit his one out of two free throws, which if you talk to basketball analysts, they'll tell you a point per possession is a win for that team, right? Because you you guaranteed a point on a possession? Great, we'll take that. The Suns are like, we'll give you that. Just don't, like, uh, get it to Middleton, score a three, don't get whatever, and we'll outscore you on the other end. And in Phoenix, that worked great. Um, in Milwaukee, Giannis went off for 41, 42, something like that. Um, but I think this is going to be a battle of home courts, uh, which does not bode well for Milwaukee in the end. No, it could be you know, the, the old adage, it's not really a series until somebody loses at home. Exactly. That may just be how this goes. Exactly. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I believe they play the next game tomorrow night. Yep. yep. Tomorrow um, night. and that will be in Milwaukee again. 
Um, but yeah, the Suns have an interesting strategy, so it seems, um, which is why my MVP of this series, if the Bucks win, has got to be Middleton, because I think he's got to score 25 or more for them to actually win. Yeah, and, and the question is, at some point you'd think Middleton is going to have one of those Middleton games where he just goes off. Oh, yeah, he's um, certainly – you just hope it's in Phoenix when you're, right. like, tied. The question <laughs> is, is when is that going to happen, yeah. and do the Bucks actually win that game? They better find a way to win that game. And, you know, you could say Drew Holiday needs to be better too, more consistent, which is true. He ha- absolutely has to be. And and if the Suns win, Chris Paul has got to be your MVP because with him, the Suns are not this. Yes. <laughs> and, without him, rather. And Aiden is great, by the way. Aiden is, I think, really asserting himself as that dude, that next big center coming up. Um, and there are plenty of them in the NBA now, which I will get to that issue in a second. Um because we'll talk about the men's Olympic team here. So I was going to say, so that's not the only basketball that's going on. Yeah. Normally, this wouldn't even have made the uh, agenda here. No. But um, it, Olympic prelims yeah. for the USA men's basketball team, which is, it's not, gone are the days of the 1992 dream team and all or of that. Or the redeem team of the redeem team of all of that. We're back to... When do basketball players actually want to try to play? Um, because, yikes. They not only lose to Nigeria. Ow. Then they lose, last night, to Australia? Yeah. Australia has a basketball team? Australia does. Apparently it's not that bad. No. Um, um, so, before, yeah. I, I will release you in a minute. I know you, okay. you want to yeah. go. I'm jumping at the bit. So, I, I'm, all I'm going to say is, it sure as hell looks like the rest of the world is caught up to our little game here. We might want to take another approach other than playing one-on-one basketball all the freaking time. Dan, I give you the floor. Okay. So uh, I don't want to brush past the loss to Nigeria. That's the USA men's basketball team first ever loss to an African nation. Uh, this is a, <laughs> this is a Nigeria team. Uh, and I get that they're different players, but we have, the last two times we've played Nigeria, we beat them by like 85, and then we beat them by 42. And I get that they're, they have more NBA talent. I think they have five players who have spots in the NBA. So they're better. They're a much better Nigeria team, and they're on the come up. That's awesome. We should still beat that team. <laughs> okay. Now, Australia. Australia does have a rich history of, of basketball. They had Andrew Bogut for a long, long time who anchored their team. Uh, ben Simmons opted out because uh, he's got to work on his game, which I agree. He does have to work on his game after when we last saw him. He was awful. Uh, but Patty Mills is their starting point guard. And they, I think they have four NBA players on that Australia team right now. Joe Ingles, who's a big-time player. Uh, Patty Mills, who's a big-time player. Um, Aaron Baines, who actually got hurt in the first quarter of this game. Um, and I think they have one other that I can't place at the moment. But um, So they're f- number four in the world, Australia. That being said, that's a team we should, st- even with this pathetic, I shouldn't say pathetic, I shouldn't say pathetic, but let's be real. It's a pathetic roster that they put together. And I pointed it out on our last episode. I'm like, I have issues with this roster. Uh, yes, they have Kevin Durant. Yes, they have Damian Lillard. Yes, those are two premier amazing players that are probably those two guys are better than anybody else. Anybody else other than Luka Doncic for Slovenia. 
that's about it. They're probably better than everybody else. Um, alpha, 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 alpha on the floor. You have a lot of one-on-one players. Like Kevin Durant is maybe... My the, possession, my possession, my possession, my possession. Yes. Uh, whereas, and these guys obviously haven't played together a whole lot. Uh, they're just kind they of thrown together. They literally had four days of practice. Yeah. Whereas these European teams... Which is another issue that you could you could actually point out with this and to say, yep, you might just want to do the college thing and have some cohesiveness and a team strategy as opposed to this. Well, yeah, I mean, the, these countries around the world have played together for a little bit longer. They play, <laughs> this sounds really dumb, but they play the game of basketball really well. Um, not necessarily individually are they the most talented, but they're not bums. No. <laughs> they're not scrubs. They're still thrown out there, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, seven footers. It's not like they're they're not as athletic, maybe, but they're not that far away like they used to be. They're right there. These professional leagues in Europe are good, are very, very good. Why do you think people are drafting out of those leagues now in the NBA? Well, why is Luka Doncic a thing? Here's here's the biggest issue. This roster, for me, I looked at this roster, and Bam Adebayo, um, first of all, Kevin Durant's a seven-footer. Let's just call it what it is. He doesn't play like a (laughs) seven-footer, but he is. Uh, But Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat, Kevin Love, which was a very controversial ad, and I'll get to that reason in a second, Jason Tatum, and Draymond Green. Those are your quote-unquote bigs, okay? They're all way undersized. (laughs) Even Kevin Love way undersized your biggest dude is kevin durant and he doesn't play in the post so the issue then becomes we need a big anthony davis is not playing because he's got to heal up from his injuries that he had in the postseason i get that but even him is like a 610 wing post right we don't have that big dude think about the bigs in the nba right now people were like why is kevin love on the team kevin love hasn't even put he played 20 games this past year why is kevin love on the team why is Kevin Love? We don't have any American big men. We have none. Vucevic from the Bulls, not American. Jokic, not American. Joel Embiid, not American. Oh, you're like, oh, well, doesn't Aiden, Aiden plays for the Suns? He's doing really well. Not American. We have no. Also kind of busy. Well, yes, that's true too. Giannis, guess what? Greek, not American. So all of the premier bigs in the NBA we don't have access to because they're playing for other countries. That's a problem that the just basketball in general has in America right now where we're very guard-centric and we're not producing any bigs, which is a problem when we face Spain in a couple yeah, of days. It, 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 it's interesting you mentioned <sighs> guard-centric and it's 20 years after Jordan retired. Yeah. You know, that that's the effect of of what people thought success meant on the on, on uh, a grand scale at the NBA, it wasn't the dominant center because Jordan beat all the dominant centers of his time. I mean, think about that dream team. If you forget the guards who were outstanding, your forwards, your your bigs, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, who's undersized, but he played big. Um, you had David Robinson was on that team, legit seven footer in his. Prime. One of the twin towers of St. Antonio. Actually, before his prime, he was young, yeah, David he Robinson. Was, he was a baby. Carl man. Malone, who was 6'9", but he, again, played big. Uh, you had a, Larry Bird was 6'9", as a forward, played bigger. Um, a big, big team. And then their guards, obviously, were huge. I mean, Jordan 6'6", 
Magic Johnson was six eight, six nine. Even their guards were massive, right. uh, which we do not have. Um, so these bigger guards that can be a little bit more physical in FIBA basketball are pushing around a Dame Lillard, are pushing around some of these And, and FIBA basketball generally tends to reward the team that can play the better system. Um, yep. USA basketball right now, I couldn't tell you what the hell system they're playing. All I see is one-on-one. You get the feeling like they're trying to play like an all-star game, except the problem is the other team's actually playing defense. Right. And they're not used to it. They're like, whoa, why is there a hand in my face when I'm taking this three? Because that's how you play basketball? Um, it's Because it's not one of 82, because it means everything to these guys that they're playing up against. And oh, by the way, if you didn't realize it yet, it's a big target on your back when you wear your USA basketball. Oh, everybody wants – and that's that's the other thing. You put, you make a great point here. It, it's it's I used to call it, you know, well – it's like when when college teams like play Notre Dame for the first time in 50 years. You're going to get them at their absolute best. They're going to put all the trick plays in for that one game because that'll get you on the map. Nigeria now, guess what? The world is talking about a Nigerian yes, basketball Yes, they are. Because of what they did. People are waking up. They also beat Argentina by like 24 the yeah. other night too. So Nigeria is on the come up and people are like, okay. Yeah. Now we, okay. We see you. Um, but, the Man. They are going to get some reinforcements. I should make this clear. They are having some people that are playing in the finals right now that will come and play. You have Drew Holiday that's committed. You have Chris Middleton, who we just talked about, is committed. Devin Booker, who's outstanding, is committed. So they do have reinforcements coming. However, they just beat Argentina tonight, and some of their best basketball was being played when their big players were not even playing. They had G League players in there that played very, very well. People who know how to play a system. People that just do the play their role. Play their role. They know who they are, and they're just like, you need me to shoot a three? I'll shoot a three. Fine. Um, Zach Levine for the Bulls actually got a lot of time tonight. And Popovich got some uh, press in Chicago for what he said about Levine, saying um, Levine was very committed to USA basketball. He came in. He's like, I really want to be a part of this. What do you need me to do? And Pop was like, honestly, you know, we have Kevin Durant. We have Dame Lillard. We need you to play defense is what we need you to do. And I've watched the last two games, and he's picked up full court. He's picked up their other guard full court and played full court defense. Man, if we can get that on the Chicago Bulls, we are in (laughs) business. Um, But, you you know, you talked about commitment. And a lot of these players are more concerned about an NBA title than they are an Olympic title. They feel like an Olympic title is a given uh, that they don't have to work for. Nothing's given. Nothing is given. Uh, Where these other countries are playing, they want it. They need this. No, it's a way infamy. I mean, you deny USA a gold medal. However, you that Argentine golden age team. Who's no longer a thing. Luis Scola, God bless him. Still playing at like 40 something years old. But no Ginobili, no Nocioni, who's a former Bull. No uh, That golden age of uh, Argentine basketball is over. But, uh, but that was it. Why are they the golden age? Because they were able to, right. to surpass that. Um, the Spanish teams, who are still good, by the way, even though they're older, uh, which we'll see in a couple of days in an exhibition. Um, and, and look, Luka Doncic came out and said, I really want this gold medal more than I want an NBA finals ring, uh, which is easy for him to say because he's young and he's got a long time to go. And he, I probably bet he'll get an NBA finals at some point. Um, 
But this is Slovenia's first time at the Olympics because of him and him owning that that qualifying tournament. Um, and and you can just see that when he won that qualifying tournament and he dropped his triple double, they lifted him up on their shoulders. They carried him off for the court. He is a god in Slovenia. <laughs> Um, because he got them to a promised land that they had previously not been to. Uh, that's what these guys are chasing. Our own Thomas uh, Sadoransky hit a buzzer beater three to eliminate a very good Canada team in the qualifying tournament. And he's, Zach Levine said Sato called him from the locker room and he couldn't understand a word Sato was saying because it was all uh, in his native language. And But it was fun. You could tell he was having fun, <laughs> having a good time. Um and yeah. those I mean, two it, might actually. It, it be. reminds me of like the first time in in Olympic play, USA baseball got itself handed to them. Yeah, a few times. You know, it, 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 these are our games, but guess what? The world is now cued into it, and you might want to learn a thing or two um, before it's too late. <laughs> so let's hope it's the wake up call that is desperately needed. And look, and you you might be thinking, guys, they have so much talent. They have so much talent. They'll be fine. I understand. Uh, Donnie from Indiana told me that last night on Twitter when I was just banging down the, this uh, this roster and this team after their loss to Australia. Um, but guys, this is the first ever time that a USA basketball team that had pro basketball players lost two consecutive games. First time ever. Okay, they were fifty-four and two since the Dream Team. Now they are fifty-four and four. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little concerned. Uh, they have France coming up in their first game, and that's not a pushover first game. Um, they should beat Iran, um, and they should beat the Czech Republic. Although, again, Thomas Sadoransky will be playing his friend, Zach Levine, and I guarantee you, I, Charles Barkley guarantee that Sadoransky and the Czech Republic really want to win that game. So, like I said, you they will pull out all the stops, they will do they whatever will they got to do to try the, to win that game. The hack of whoever they need to strategy, and the first second that Kevin Durant down. and Dame Lillard miss a couple of shots and give them an opening, they're going to try to take hold of it and not let it go. Yeah. They have to be ready for this. These other countries want it, yeah. And and, and this is not a knock on um any of the coaching, but uh. And I don't like to ever compliment this dude because I think he's kind of a jerk. But Mike Shashevsky. No, no, Mike Shashevsky, which for nothing else, understood how to do systems. He got spectacular buy-in, but he was also afforded the luxury of having the redeem team and them rechecking in and being like, no, 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 no. We're the best basketball team in the country. Here we'll prove yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and you know, that team was LeBron in his prime. Kobe still really really good. Carmelo in his prime. D Wade in his prime. Like they had a stellar yes, team yes. of the best of the best. Yes. Um, so I mean, he benefited a little bit from that. But um, I don't know, man. I'm nervous. I'm actually nervous about this. Well, we will see how how it goes. I, I, I'd like to think that this is hopefully a wake up call. Uh, we'll we'll have to see how they react. Obviously, they won their last game. So again, we will keep our eyes on it, but I guarantee if I will, Charles Barkley guarantee that if they do that again in the Olympics, Dan will go off. 
oh, please stay tuned to the 4D Experience One Twitter and my Twitter at Daniel underscore Allen 44. It will be entertaining. I can guarantee you that. I will live tweet as many of those games as I possibly can. Uh, although it's in Japan. So I was going to say, you might be up a little late for that. But, oh, but uh, it's Olympic basketball and I do love it. Uh, but yeah, entertaining tweets. I, yeah, I guarantee you that. So we've kind of gone a little overtime again, as we are apparently just that's what we're doing tonight. Uh, we do have a couple little news and notes things we're going to get back to. Uh, we do have to take a second break. We'll come on back. We will wrap that up. We'll put a bow on what we thought was going to be a very sparse episode. It is now turning into a very full episode. Our rants have gone way over. Of the 4D that's experience. Okay. That's okay. That's why you listen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so come on back. All right. So we're back, and we are going to start off with some NHL news and notes. Yeah, um, that happened. Um, small Tampa, little thing. Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, small. small. Uh, as we sort of kind of predicted from and, the beginning. And then dented said cup. Did you see the cup's oh, condition well, after that, their party? That's not surprising. And it's not the first Ooh. time that that's happened. It was a major, like the cup was like all bent in. It was like well, a, there, there's, there's actually three cups for that exact reason. Okay. So but, the one, whew. you know, there's the real one that they present like on the ice that like goes back to the museum. And then there's like the two faux cups that are like exact replicas. Um, that goes sometimes. That was the worst players. I've ever seen it beaten up. Because my well, you mercy. never saw the first one with with for the Rangers in '94. That was the the reason that every player got a day with it was because they screwed it up so bad that they didn't think they were going to be able to do that. So, um, thank you, Eddie Olchek and the 1994 New York Rangers uh, <laughs> for giving everybody a day with the Stanley Cup. But uh, yeah, congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Clearly, the better team. Um, Montreal Canadiens put up a game fight, though, man. Uh, but you could just, it was it very much like when we would talk about the Blackhawks facing the Lightning, the Lightning just pull away. They're just better. They're just deeper. It's throwing, yeah, deeper is the real word deeper, for it. Deeper, too much, talented too much. team. Just overwhelmed um, a very game uh, Canadians team. I will say this qualifier, though, just to rile up all, if anybody's listening from Tampa Bay, I'm just going to poke you here real quick. Their back-to-back Stanley Cups happened in two very weird and unique seasons. That's true. So I'm just I'm not saying it's not a great team because no, of it, course it's a very it, very deserving team. It's a legit team, but it just so happened that your two back to back Stanley Cups happened in some kind of weird circumstances. But um, but I mean that was, but Tampa was a team that was missing some major pieces. You know, Kalorn played only the first game, and uh, Kucherov. I don't I think he had a broken was, rib. I think was, they just uh, released. Yeah, in there a whole lot. Well, this is always the best part of. Now that the veil of the upper and lower body injury is gone, you now find out what was really wrong with all of your hockey players. Um, and you find out. It sounds like your old grandpa's story is like, lot. I walked uphill two times a day with a broken leg. and I mean, but these players really do come out there like, I skated 40 minutes with a broken leg. The, the, <laughs> the, like... the one that I'll never forget was the, the 2013, the Patrice Bergeron injuries from Boston, when that dude was literally being held together with like, wire yeah <laughs> like what that dude was playing through um and and at a high level no less uh we talk about hard hockey but uh yeah not to uh scoot over the stanley cup win but speaking of playing with injuries and uh and doing his thing on the ice in clutch moments a little uh little trade. S- little, little trade happened here in chicago um, Duncan Keith gets traded to the Edmonton Oilers, which we had actually said would probably be the best. Oh yeah, place I for mean that's him. that's the best fit. He basically requested the trade. 
See, um, this is why you need to listen to us because we <laughs> literally called this trade about, about a month a, ago. Yeah, at least a week or and a half or two weeks ago, we called Keith to the Oilers. I didn't call it for these players. Um, True, and not that anyone wants to. Let's give... not diminish it. Let's just call it as it is. Yeah. <laughs> we had him go to the Oilers. Yeah, checkmark win. Um, <laughs> Forty experience. Checkmark. He, he, he wanted to be near his son. His son is in, uh, living in the uh, Vancouver area, so Edmonton, not that far away. Yeah. Um, no border issues, obviously, with him being able to be, uh, you know, close to his. I think it's seven or eight year old son. So I, I get that. Um, but dude, a- dude's going to go down as one of the best defensemen ever to play for the Blackhawks. No, he, full stop. He's no doubt. Going to go into the Hall of Fame. He's, he's a first ballot have, Hall of Fame. Yep. He should have his number retired. There should never be a number two worn um, by a Blackhawk again. Agreed. Eric Weinrich, notwithstanding. <laughs> Uh, I totally agree, Duncan. And we talked a little bit about Duncan Keith uh, when we did our Seabrook tribute episode after he retired. Um, but, of course, Duncan Keith is is one of the best to ever do it and deserves a special place in every Blackhawks heart. I wish he could have retired only wearing a Blackhawks sweater. Some would say he, did, he should have retired just because he is at the end of his rope as far as hockey yeah. goes, uh, which is... You know, this this trade is, I think, best for both worlds. Uh, Keith gets to be closer to his family. Blackhawks can go find a competent defenseman. Uh, which Blackhawks actually got a guy back that might actually be somebody one day. Uh, Caleb uh, Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones, who is also the brother of Seth Jones. Ah, you, Drew, you beat me to it. Which you beat may me to just it. kind of be one of those. Gosh, darn it. We make a nice little cradle for a very elite defenseman to come, you know, play with your brother. Yeah, you beat me to my point. Our organization might uh, suck, but at least we did this for you type of thing. You do have to trade for Seth Jones because yes. he's still under contract. He's not a free agent. So that makes it a little it, bit it more It might not even be this year. You may do the push next year. But um, the, the but word yes. on the, at least the smart word that I hear on Seth Jones is he's going to submit a list of 10 teams that he's not going to get traded for because I think that's how his no-movement clause is. So if the Blackhawks are not on that list – there would definitely be in the running um, potential trade partner. Definitely. If they could somehow now they actually have legitimate cap money. The Seabrook money's off the books. The fact that they got Edmonton to keep all of the Keith money. Um, the Hawks didn't have to pick up a dime of that for this season. Crawford's is, money's off the books. Crawford's money's gone. You actually have front office flexibility. Uh, just sucks that the front dealing, office might not be there. Front office may not be there to finish it um uh, whole for, other for problem other, for other reasons we've talked about it yeah. go back listen to those episodes yep. you'll find out all our takes on that i don't want to relitigate that um yeah but uh at least for this i will give um the general manager credit i think he won the trade i think i think it's a win-win for everybody i i think edmonton desperately needed someone that's been there done that in the playoffs someone who could be there in the locker room and be like Guys, this is how we have to carry ourselves. This is what we have to do. Connor McDavid, listen to that dude, if nothing else. Yes. yes. Um, that's what the Edmonton Oilers got. Yes, he's not going to be a front two-line no, no, defenseman. No, the, the, the 35-minute-a-night Duncan Keith is, is, is over. Done. Um, he might. He could be really effective, though, as a 15-minute-a-night guy. Think of, like, Timonen with, the, with yeah. the Blackhawks when he came in. But better and not as old. Yes, <laughs> and actually won three yes. cups instead of trying to get his yeah, first. Trying to get his first. Uh, so it really, I think both teams and Duncan Keith, obviously the Blackhawks worked with Duncan Keith 
to coordinate this. Um, I think it's a win-win-win for all three major parties involved. Um, I, I have high hopes, and I have high hopes that this might bring Seth Jones to Chicago, whether it's this year or next, uh, which would be our premier defensive player again. That's the number one need. We've talked about it many times. Many, many times. So um, we know that. And it's just the start of what is going to be um, – you know, the next thing that's going to come up is the expansion draft. Who do, who does everybody lose to the Kraken? Um, so Duncan Keith will not be the captain of the Kraken, as was rumored by a couple people. Um, but he gets to go be near his son, do that. Good for him. I wish him nothing but good things. Um, and thanks for the, the gargantuan 16-year effort. I mean, yeah. He was here when it was bad. He was yep. here when it was really good. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sobering to know that that is now, like, really over. You know, now all the pieces are and gone. Now we just have Kane and Taves, and I I would be stunned if they didn't retire Blackhawks. No, they will. I, I, Taves will. I can't imagine. I would, I, that would hurt my soul a little bit, honestly. I love Keith, and I love Seabrook, who ended up retiring as a Blackhawk, but... Man, if Kane and Taves don't, if they wear another sweater, that would literally pay, like I would yeah. feel actual pain. Yeah, like that would hurt. I don't think I could envision other than other than the Canadian Leaf for Jonathan Taves and other. Than oh, the USA. that would that would really hurt though. Like I could see Taves maybe playing for Winnipeg because it's you know hometown thing, but it'd still hurt. It yeah. would really really hurt. Um, but before we leave the NHL, I just want to throw this rumor out at you that I heard, and I want to get your thoughts. This is a curveball that I'm throwing at Drew right now. Um, I heard whispers. Just whispers. Um, yes, that Mark Andre Fleury. Oh, I did hear this. Might yes. be headed to Chi Town. That would be another. Obviously, now with cap flexibility, do they believe enough in Kevin Lankinen to be a real, real good number one? He's obviously proven that he can have spurts of really good, but he kind of broke down. Now I don't blame him for breaking down because he had nobody in front of him. Most he's ever played. And Most he's ever played. All of that, uh, but and goalie is on our wish list because Subban has also been a rumored he might, draft pick he to the Kraken. Yeah, he may not be around. Um, the Hawks, I think, would love to build. Don't forget the dude that they drafted, and I forget the name, uh, but they drafted a goalie in their like second round. Big kid out of the American kid um, out of the U.S. development program. That's the dude they want to have, kind of way off in the wings. If you can build a bridge, you can get a one, two-year deal for like a Mark andre Fleury, get whatever's left out of that tank. You can actually solidify that position, build a bridge to your new guy. If it all pans out, there's actually a plan there. So interesting to see if that happens. Some interesting Blackhawks offseason. Like I said, I think just focused on the pure hockey, um, it could be one of the really more interesting and maybe even positive off-seasons. Normally, off-seasons are really negative for the Hawks lately. Um, but it could be really positive. I think our young talent is is there, and it's good. And this might be a smoother re- – this is a full-on rebuild. Oh, yeah, now you're full-on. But it might be a little bit smoother than what people might associate the word rebuild with. Right. <laughs> so, You've gone through a lot of the pain already of it. Yeah. And you were even yep. – I would even say for three quarters of last year, not only competitive, but in a, in a playoff race, and it just kind of fell apart at the end. Yeah, which was not an expectation, yeah. especially in the division that they were in, which was loaded. 
So front office stuff and some extracurricular stuff aside, I think the Blackhawks are in a good position. Um, so we'll see where they end up. And obviously we will be covering it if anything comes up. Very true. So now I've already had a, a couple of rants. So uh, you got one more in you for your for your other like favorite sport. I whew, I will try. Um, I'll come at you with some enthusiastic football. Some football. Some non-American football. Football um, European. But so so yeah, that happens Sunday. Yes. Um, Italy v England in a snoozer at parts and super dramatic at other parts match. Um, went 1-1, goes to penalties. England plus penalty kicks equals heartbreak. Um, that rule held true, if nothing else, even after they were up after the first couple of rounds. They were up in the first two minutes of this game. They, they scored the a quick two, one. Quickest goal in Euro yeah. final yeah. ever. They scored a really quick one, got Wembley rocking, which it was already rocking, as Drew will get to in a second. <laughs> Rocking for some of the wrong reasons. Um, I'll let Drew handle that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but let's not discredit Italy. I think Italy deserved to win. I think they were the best team from start to finish in the whole Euro t- tournament. Um, I mean, obviously, they didn't lose a the game. They haven't lost a game in like 30-something matches now. Uh, they, I think, can we say it? It's an Italian renaissance? Yeah. And, and they are back after missing the last World Cup. They won a big-ass trophy on Sunday. I think you can say they're, they're back. back. Um, which is a scary thought for many around the globe for the next World Cup because a good Italy team is always a threat. And they were down one of their starters who had torn his Achilles. Yeah, the, the, yeah that dude, that, that injury. Like the, uh, Just reading about him, forget the dude's name. I'm terrible at names tonight, but... Um, he had come back. He'd worked himself, you know, for like three, four years worth of consecutive weird injuries. And then he, you watched it happen and you could, and he knew it. He yeah. knew it popped. Now I will say this. Some of their better players are older. Uh, I think a couple of their defensive the goalies players. Not. No, 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 not their goalie. Well, they just switched goalies from their ancient uh, Buffon goalie uh, to now their Who, younger guy. Who's not a Buffon. <laughs> no. Um, uh, but they're, I think two of their center backs are like 37, 38, 39, somewhere in that range. Oh, the dude that was hugging everybody. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so they're, they're a little older. Um, but a lot of their other players are young and on the come up. So, uh, Italy is back and, and they're a threat. And they started this 30 game wins, uh, 30 game non-loss streak. Cause you can tie. 30-game non-loss streak after they got their new coach. So that's a infusion of life yep. for them and the Azuri. And, um, but, yeah, Wembley was rocking and uh, Drew. So <laughs> go for it. Aye, um, so the not-so-fun part of this, what should have been just a, a fun day turned for all kind of the wrong reasons. And, and for anybody that doesn't know anything about English soccer fans. Watch Eurotrip, the part of Manchester United Eurotrip. <laughs> I really can't sum it up much better than that. Um, but they have a rep in the world for being a little outlandish, a little rude. They're, look, I, 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 on my Twitter, I have a lot of UK following, and I communicate across the pond almost every day with somebody, generally at least once. There are lots of really nice and wonderful 
English sure, OF fans, yes. I would say 98% of them are awesome people. That 2% that they just for that nobody can seem to ever want to control can go into the into the could release the Kraken and, and put them in it. Before because, you before you get into your yeah. hardcore rant part of this, um, I've experienced it once in my life personally. I was um the last World Cup that the US was in, uh, I was actually in Scotland and England for that. And we had just gotten out of the group of death with Belgium and uh, and Germany and Ghana. And we'd gotten out. England did not get out of their group. And I was in Scotland when, when we did. And everyone in Scotland was like, oh, you're from America. They just got out of their group. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. I went down to England. And as soon as they heard a word come out of my mouth, and I was American, they did not want anything to do with a football <laughs> conversation. They're like, you can shut up. I don't want to hear a word. Very different attitude real quick because we had gotten out of the group of death and they they got bounced. So, yeah, that was my personal experience. So yeah. I felt it. I mean, part of this, I think, is actually on UEFA and the organization of this tournament. It was the first tournament post-COVID which is not necessarily, I know in England, all the way a post thing yet. They're still dealing with variances. We're dealing with variants here. And Italy. Both and, of those teams Italy. got hit hard. Correct. From. Correct. Um, but it just seemed that the security at Wembley Stadium for what was going to be such a big event, such a, a massive national thing, was really, really lacking. Um, there were reports, and I saw images of people going in um, groups of people putting down barricades to try to rush to get into the stadium without tickets. And a lot of them, some of them got in because there was lots of 5,000 of them is yeah. estimated to get yeah. That's crazy. And the fact that you had no control over that is, is awful. Um, and then the stuff that happens, obviously the, so the match builds, we get up to penalties and right before extra time ends, England puts in two substitutes who happened to be darker skinned. Uh, one was Marcus Rashford. The other, uh, help me with the name. Sancho, Sancho, Sancho. No, the kid that was in the, the 17 year old was actually um, in the game already. Asaka. Saga. Saga. So they literally had no time to really kind of get themselves into the game. And Oh, by the way, Here's the pressure cooker of you better make this freaking penalty kick. Otherwise, bad things happen. So you have this charged environment already going into it. Oh, we were both right. Rashford, Sancho, and Saka. All right, there we go. <laughs> you know, I had those. I'm going to get me a, like a, a, a name thing by the end of tonight. But anyway, so they go in, and the two substitutes happen. One hits it off the post, Rashford. Uh, the other dude missed his penalty, and then the third guy got it saved. Like the the Italian keeper made a great save. That ended up being the definitive shot. Italy wins it. I think Sancho got his saved too. And just yeah. on my own personal Twitter, there was a lot of you know this sucks. It's heartbreaking, and I was doing a lot of there there kind of on Twitter. In other parts of social media, there was some raging ass showing going on. Yeah. of things getting hurled at these players that sailors have talked better about in, in their lives. I mean, my God. But then hearing stories about 
what happened after the match. And for anybody that knows my Twitter, knows I am a gargantuan Formula One fan. My favorite driver is a guy by the name of Lando Norris. He was at the game just as a supporter. He had been earlier that day, I think at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, he came over, was watching the game in a skybox, obviously. Um, report came out yesterday that apparently he was assaulted. His watch, which was a one-of-a-kind gift from his team, was taken from him. I don't know if weapons were involved. Um, no one's necessarily talking about that. But the fact is that this was just a – he's 21. He's not a big guy. So, I mean, he's a little race car driver. I mean, that's why they're little. Um, they're strong little race car drivers. But, I mean, he's not a foreboding dude. So, you could almost – just the fact that this even happens somewhere there has to be a connection between the reasonable fans that, that can hopefully somehow get these people under control. Cause it just happens over and over and over again. And you get a rep for a reason in this world. And sadly the English football fans sat in it on Sunday. Well, that's not including the fan that ran out of the field that, yeah, in the middle of the that disrupted yeah. the game for a little yeah. bit. Uh, nor is it, um, including the booing of national anthems. People, which, and people taking the knee, which is also kind of reprehensible. Wembley has had a problem with booing during the national anthem. They boo during the Germany national anthem, so much so that Ian Dark, uh, which I don't know that I necessarily agree, because I heard some booing on the telecast, but he was like, I'm, it's glad to report that they didn't boo the Italian national anthem. And I'm like... I, I thought I heard, I heard a little some. bit of booing, and you're just trying to say that there's not. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure I heard some. But I was uh, actually watching it through um, BBC because I wanted to get the the hometown call. Okay. They just kind of just stayed silent throughout it. They just didn't really say much about it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so that's what all of what Drew said is not even the full picture because they were fined thirty. Thousand euro uh, for the first booing during the national anthem yeah. incident they had, <laughs> to the point where the coach was like, "Please, don't, don't do, do this," because um, that falls on us and our program and our development program. That's money out of our pocket. Um, granted, thirty thousand dollars is or thirty thousand euros, thirty six thousand dollars. Not a big drop in the bucket, but still, still, it's a fine that. I think they all saw coming was potentially potentially going to happen again. And that next fine was not going to be 30,000 right, euro. Right, right. It was going to be a lot more. Uh, so um, a little bit more. And now they're under investigation for a bunch of stuff involving that final, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, I know they do love their football over there. Um, I have no problem with passion. I have yeah. no problem with singing. I have no problem with trying to give your side as much of an advantage but when you start hurling, there are boundaries. And when you go over those boundaries, you start, like we talked about with the Mexico stuff, when you start throwing crap on the field, when you start hurling words that have much bigger meaning than what you're trying to do, and you don't even realize that you're doing it because you've done it all of your life, that's a problem. I had, I felt fearful for those penalty takers late in the game and it had nothing to do with football uh which is a problem uh, that's a real big problem uh but also if i'm just gonna get back to the actual tactics here yeah i gotta point to the coach and be like dude you're having people take penalties cool. that barely cool. got into this game why what what is your 
reasoning right. there. And then even when you and one of them's the man, like a nineteen-year-old kid. You put Marcus Rashford in it like defense. Yeah, and like he had a moment late in there where he was like cold and almost botched it. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if it was maybe just the moment got to them. And and look, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be in that type of a pressure cooker with the weight of all of that on you in that moment. And that young kid who who missed the last one to clinch it for Italy will hopefully have a very, very long and very, very successful career ahead of him, whether it's for the national team, whether it's for a, a Premier League team, whatever it yeah. is. I mean, Marcus Rashford's already a made guy. I mean, he's already he's a made guy, yes. On, but that 19-year-old um, that kid, kid. is, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, and you saw Harry Kane, you saw Sterling, you saw a bunch of them go up to him afterwards and just be like, "This isn't the end." No, like we're still we're still good as a national yeah. team. We've got some years ahead of us. We're young. We're on the come up, obviously. Um, so, and they have the World Cup coming up. England should be a factor. So, uh, this isn't the end. And they were just trying to, you know, console him. Um, but man, it's tough, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I wish the story was a great game that ended um, with kind of a, you know, if you're an English fan, a tragic ending. But unfortunately, there's these other elements to it. You have to talk about it. I, I, I don't want to beat up on it anymore. I'm sure the rest of the world will do that for me. So I will leave it there. Um, uh, there is another tournament that just picked up yeah. after Euro 2020. Oh, by the way, the Gold Cup. The Gold Cup. Start, well, actually, before the Gold Cup. Copa America ended right uh, the around the time. same time. Yes, they actually got through that and in Brazil. They got through it. They had all kinds of COVID issues because Brazil is not doing well. Um, Let's have a soccer tournament in the middle of COVID hotspot. That's just, that's so uh, well, sense. yeah. And then they tried to transition to Venezuela and Colombia, but they were having it. It was a mess. South America yeah. is not doing the very well. The best part about it is it ended. Yes, but uh, it's a big tournament because Messi finally got his big international tournament win no it's not a world cup um, but it, he did it is a south american tournament win for him uh, brazil has always stood in his way and this time brazil was standing in his way but they got the one nil win over long time big time rival brazil and messi just dropped to his knees um and broke down it's it's great to see that i've had my uh issues with messi in the past not showing up in, in big games, um, but he did throughout the tournament. So good on you, uh, Lionel Messi, for that. Um, now, the Gold Cup just got underway, so I'm not going to go too far into it. Yeah, they're still in the prelim group stages. Uh, yeah, they, and they just started. Uh, so we're in the first round of games. But uh, the U.S. has had a game already. They beat Haiti, who barely qualified for this thing. Um, but they beat them 1-0, which is great. They got the three points for it in their group. Good on you, but the U.S. is putting out their like B minus team. Remember that team that won the Nations League a couple weeks ago that had like Polisic and Reyna yeah. and all of our not, McKinney. Not these players. None of those guys that I just mentioned are playing on this team. So this is like our B B minus team that we're throwing out there to try to win the Gold Cup. If we had our A team, we win this hands down. I think uh, Mexico tied Trinidad and Tobago zero zero in their first. If we had our A team, I think we win going away. Um, our current team will make this interesting. So who knows uh, what, what we'll get? We should still get out of our group. Yeah, I mean, we may end but, up with a we may end up with a face palm by the end of it. But hey, it's it's football. 
Yeah, so we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll obviously, uh, yeah. Oh, believe me, we will have it again on this uh, show here. So, um, but yeah, fun times with soccer uh, again. I will be tweeting during a lot of these games, most likely. So follow us at the 4D Experience mm-hmm. One Twitter and at my personal Twitter at Daniel underscore Allen forty four. And you can find me on any sort of racing rants or anything that, that I want to go off on um, at AFB thirty six twenty six. For Dan, I am Drew. Thank you all so much for sticking with us. Uh, we will try to get back to a much more regular schedule. We've had some travel things going on which is good that we're able to do that dan my bad was doing some scouting <laughs> in uh in colorado i have um, more scouting cardinals and royals this weekend Ooh. yep fun. yep yep all right so uh we will uh as always this is always super fun doing this and we will all catch y'all on the next one